Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. My name is Rob and my pronouns are he and him. And I'm Alistair and my pronouns are he and him. And I'm Jamie and my pronouns are also he and him. Yeah, it's a somewhat lighter crew tonight uh, due to circumstances, but we shall soldier on nonetheless because uh, after all the shenanigans, we are back in Britain. So, you know. We've decided to solve the Lament podcastorium. So, you know, we're going to really just roll with whatever the fuck happens this evening. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we're, we're back to doing uh, normal things uh, and talking about normal island. A bit of nuggets, and then we're going to spend a nice time talking about car loans. And then, if you're all really good, there's an interesting dessert right at the end for everybody. <laughs> nuggets that have come from the toaster. Yeah. <laughs> Mark your bingo cards for a callback if that's what you had. You I mean, I'll be honest, I don't prizes. I don't even know if we've actually said this on a recording before, but like we always yeah. all, it feels like we, we talk about Jamie fishing a chicken nugget out of a toaster <laughs> more than we probably should be. <laughs> no, it was it was the episode with the fucking rich people who don't know how to change light bulbs or some shit, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. It's the um yeah, I can't remember, but it's it's that episode. Uh, well, if you want, if you want to get that joke, you could either re-listen to the last like two minutes of this podcast, or go listen to that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or just ask yourself what the fuck you're doing with your life. <laughs> yeah, take a good, long, hard look at yourself. So there was a piece recently about a Canadian woman who had been ordered by a civil tribunal to compensate her former employer for time theft. Uh, after uh, spy software her employer installed caught her, you know, not clogging in all the hours thieving that she was time. supposed to. Yes, thieving time. Like in that movie with Justin Timberlake. Fuck's <laughs> sake. <laughs> <laughs> we're, doing, we're doing a fucking clip show tonight, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> the spy software let them use the webcam to see that the clock on her arm was going up instead of down. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, apparently more than 50 hours that she reported on her timesheets didn't correspond to the hours logged by the employee tracking software called TimeCamp, which sounds very delightful. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to deport you to the TimeCamp yeah. <laughs> for improperly filling out your uh, timesheets. I mean, seriously. Time, who, time camp who, is that uh, book that Turf was quoting in Newcastle the other day, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, seriously though, who 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 has ever had to actually do a timesheet for their job? Ever filled it out? What you could call honestly? I know. Never. I've never done that, and I've had to do that for a bunch of different shit. When Tony Blair's New Deal sent us to like fucking Learning World in Newcastle, <laughs> we used to turn up in the morning, sign in, like get someone to sign a timesheet to say we'd arrived, then go to the Metro Center and spend get like six hours. Six hours just hanging out at Metroland, playing on the arcades, getting really good at Tekken, and then come back and get signed out at five o'clock. Like, yeah, but I think you are developing important hand-eye coordination skills, and you know, you learn you learn yeah. about combat in the far future. So I think oh, it's man, important that is... you learn. <laughs> I mean, you got to learn how to pad that CV. So like, I spend a lot of time you know, training my hand-eye coordination, and I'm re- really good with my hands as a result. And then that's actually just me playing Tekken. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> Also, I have a master belted capoeira for some reason that, that no, I will not explain. Um, <laughs> right, so essentially, Time Camp uh, track is is very sophisticated. It basically just tracks how long uh, documents you're supposed to be working on are open, whether or not they are actually somebody's <laughs> actually like the precise angle of the PDF's rotation. 
<laughs> yeah, you can. You can if you hold your PDF up against the sun, you can track the time with it. And if, if you the moss is growing on one side of your PDF, then you know which way is north. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it uh, so it log, and then it not just whether or not it's open. It's like it logs whether or not you're typing things into a document and logs that time as as work. Um, and according to the company, TimeCamp can tell the difference between like you working on Im- big important spreadsheet and like you streaming Netflix or you know something delightful like listening to podcasts like, or anything. I'm like sorry, that. but the, the arms race between like the the noble layabout who refuses to do their job and who I have the utmost respect for versus the the fucking bosses who want to like make making you looking at anywhere other than at the spreadsheet that's directly in front of you like punishable by death this arms race is just gonna go on and on and on because we've already got these like little buttons that you can attach to like your keyboard that will just press the like f key every 10 seconds to make sure that your team's thing doesn't go to away so yeah. like <laughs> these are entirely defeatable premises right <laughs> yeah i look forward to i look forward to the evolution of this arms race also, it's really great if you're doing like or trying to do anything creative or something. If you if you need to like write something original in a word document or something like when I write, I don't do shit for like two hours and then I have a good idea and then I just bang out two pages in five minutes. But like I, you know, the two hours of me daydream and staring at the sky are actually quite useful for like composing my thoughts. It's like it doesn't. Yeah, well, that's that's exactly why you're going to be replaced by a chat bot soon. We're just going to get the show notes done automatically. <laughs> we'll hire you back on one tenth of your wage to edit the show notes once the robots are written. Ah, <laughs> uh, I mean, if it would save me the time, I'd be, I'd be, <laughs> I welcome my uh, Chat GPT overlords. It's fine. It, um, it saves you a lot of time if you don't mind doing a podcast about absolute nonsense. Well, I mean, I mean it, yeah. Have I got no? But I mean, in you? the sense, in the sense that it would just make up a bunch of like shit that wasn't true. Oh, we need to like feed old show notes into one of these fucking bots and then just like see what it puts out. Like, some, oh, someone yeah. needs to contact That's... James and get them to get, <laughs> the, get on that. The, Unib- <laughs> the Unabomber manifesto, I should imagine. <laughs> <laughs> What's this about doing what to the House of Lords? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, this is all part of a delightful trend uh, of remote monitoring called Bossware, which is sounds really oh, good and comforting. Fuck off. Oh wow! Joining uh, joining a long line of various kinds of wear, like vaporware, spyware, <laughs> ransomware. <laughs> this is essentially because post Corona, because most more people who have email jobs are working from home, means that bosses, in their mind, of course, they think you're slacking off, and you are, uh, or at Rob, least you should. Rob, correct me if I'm wrong, but hasn't productivity pretty much either stayed the same or gone up? Yeah, it's gone up this, a like... little bit, essentially, on, like, just email bullshit jobs. Yeah, it's, it's gone up a little bit. Yeah, basically. Uh, but basically yeah, but, because bosses right, but don't But that extra you. money, that extra money they made from the productivity was wiped out by them paying for all this fucking spyware, so they've got to make that money back somehow. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically because your boss doesn't trust you to do your work when you're at home. So what they require in order to have trust is just more numbers. So it's just more quantification. So it's like this... this um, 
time camp thing. It just measures your keystrokes. Uh, and apparently, yeah. according, according to The Guardian, 60% of US companies use some form of bossware for remote workers. Uh, mainly, yeah. it's used for monitoring web browsers and what apps you're using. But they can also do delightful things such as logging keystrokes, taking screenshots, recording your mouse movements, as well as activating your webcam and laptop microphones, and even taking your picture without the employee knowing. I mean, like, I suppose aside from, like, the, the, like, laptop microphone and activating your webcam, it sounds like all of this could be defeated by auto-hotkey. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think personally, if I was working a fucking job from home and the boss was randomly, like, turning on my webcam and picking screenshots of my screen, that's their fucking lookout, quite frankly. Like, I'm not responsible <laughs> for the horrors they unleash on themselves <laughs> yeah. by, like, fucking, do you know what I mean? Seeing what I get up to when I'm supposed to be working. <laughs> but the real reason the, the real reason they've got all this like they spend all the money on this shit is because your boss is worthless your boss yes. is only like fucking value to the company is standing behind you tapping his foot and fucking like tutting loudly and if you can't do that anymore because you're at home and you won't let him in you know then he's got to like fucking figure out some other way to prove his worth to the company and that's by telling them that you're you and all your other peon friends are, are like shirkers and only like only by fucking invading your privacy can the money of the company be saved when realistically the CEO could just fire your boss and himself. Well, I mean, that may happen as part of this software, but that's not going to be an improvement for any of us. Uh, Basically, it's because more and more of these companies don't just do like simple monitoring. They then crunch like all your inputs and numbers and tippy-tappy stuff and then feed that into an algorithm and the algorithm decides whether or not yeah, and then an AI from fucking like Amazon tells them you're racist or something like that. Add you to a gang database. Yeah, yeah. there was uh, in, according to that uh, long read from the 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 Guardian. You've got the you've uh, got the uh, the brain pan of a stagecoach driver or some shit like that. Like, you know, they have to fire you. According to to the long read in the Guardian I, I mentioned earlier, one AI monitoring technology called Variato uh, gives workers a daily risk score, which indicates the likelihood they pose a security indicates threat to their employer. Indicates how good they are at risk. <laughs> Keep starting out in Australia. Curious. <laughs> This could be because they may accidentally leak something or because apparently uh, this is something else the um, Ferriato might be able to to do, which is whether or not the employee intends to steal data or intellectual property. So apparently... Oh, oh no, I've been, I've been fucking rumbled by opening up a Word document and typing my efforts to steal intellectual property from my employer.txt. I mean... Do they not already do this shit anyway? Like, uh, I mean, you know, the fucking infamous, like, phishing links that are sent out by a company's IT department to, like, trick all the boomers into thinking they've been sent an extremely, like, important file that is for some reason an executable. And they're going, oh, yeah, I'm going to click on that. And then, like, aha, gotcha. And, like, just I suppose it's just streamlining of the process, I guess. I mean, what it more is, is, you know... we talked, I don't know if we talked about it, but like it's fairly well known and it's already there for like years now. Is you remember all that shit where like people who work in Amazon warehouses have like their PDAs that like you know time them whether or not they go to the bathroom, whether or not they're picking orders fast enough, all that shit. It's like that mm. exact same technology is just coming to your laptop now. Like you're just going to become an Amazon worker, but for sending emails. Like it's just, um, it's just the same is, thing. I mean, this is. 
yeah, I mean, this is always the trajectory, was it not? Like, we start off with, like, the really casualized workers, and then we start coming for, like, the white collars, and then, and then so on and so forth, until until everyone gets to have their own uh, little, like, very weird sign on over the top of the, like, archway at the office that says, uh, work Welcome sends you to free. time camp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's the glorious future of work. Uh, much to look forward to. Although, at least there is work. Before we get into our main topic, I want to read a uh, brief but fond farewell to British Vault, uh, which officially de- declared itself uh, in administration this week. Yeah, rest in piss. As a big fat F. Yeah. I mean, can't believe that a, a, a company with such a successful premise and such a successful bunch of people behind it, uh, with, with lots of experience with building electric vehicles and batteries, didn't succeed. I mean, did they not? Did they not succeed, or have they all run off with money? Well, there might be a big hole in the ground. I'm still not sure whether or not there's a hole in the ground. Well, I mean, yeah, there's <laughs> probably a big hole in the ground, and a bunch of people who were like promised they could dig more of the hole left without any anything to live on. But I'm sure the people at the top will have made out with like pockets stuffed with riches. I mean, we 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 don't know, and you know, legally speaking, we will not say that they did. But what we do know from the episode is that you know. <laughs> Is that they, uh, 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 if you remember, you know, is that like the executive rented like a two and a half million pound mansion for themselves near the site uh, and had a nice office in Mayfair. So, you know. How come you spend so much money on paying people to clean up bees? (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's since Brexit, you know, you're like, you just can't get the staff anymore. (laughs) You just can't get the help anymore. Yeah. You know, solidarity to whoever was on that site and was actually doing like an actual job or had been hired on the promise that they would do an actual job, you know. But to the people who just fucked around and wore suits all day, like, get fucked. I'm glad you failed. I suppose it's going to be all right for the likes of Mercedes and that who are no longer going to receive like mysterious boxes filled with like batteries (laughs) that like don't work and like when they ask for follow-ups just get nothing or like 10 times what they actually want. (laughs) <laughs> yeah i let to imagine I really they like- were like oh well we need we need a prototype battery to test and they just got like the fucking the atom bomb like doc brown builds for the libyans and back to the future <laughs> <laughs> i really like the idea of bmw every once in a while getting like a, a a polaroid of today's newspaper and like somebody holding a gun to a duracell battery for some fucking reason <laughs> with a little sign saying british vault <laughs> <laughs> just buying a bunch of those fucking um stupid batteries off of a- uh, off of ebay which have like nine million millivo- milliamp hour battery power it's like oh, i don't know if it's got that much but this printout <laughs> says that it does yeah and a piece, piece of paper's never lied to me before do you think that the batteries they had actually like the the prototypes they had made have just been yeeted into the ocean now <laughs> that's where they belong yeah yeah <laughs> It's the last piece of the puzzle for the for the people of Atlantis to rise up and finally just. It's give called us what we've the got water coming. cycle. It's called the water <laughs> cycle. You take the you take the water out of the ocean, you put it in the batteries, and then you huck the fucking batteries back into the sea. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, first you fill the ocean water with shit and piss, and then you put it in the batteries. That's how it works. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, just as a quick reminder that these uh, that this massive gigafold factory was supposed to be one of the main lauded goals of the UK government, uh, as, and specifically the Leveling Up agenda. I was uh, just going to say, is, is, this is this is Leveling Up in action. Yes, it is. We, we dug a fucking massive hole in Teesside. Now fuck off. I don't know what more you want from us. <laughs> go go play in your hole. Maybe that's where they. <laughs> Maybe they can build the next time camp on that site and then, you know, the, the people who don't work hard enough end up in the hole. 
Maybe if they uh, dig it deep enough, they'll like, do you know what I mean? Find the hollow earth. Think of all the batteries you could make with the secrets of the hollow earth at your disposal. <laughs> it, is, it is weird to create a, like a electric vehicle battery company startup and just getting them to dig their own massive grave and then disbanding the company. Do you know what? It's just it's just occurred to me that if the Hollow Earth was real, the first like fucking nation to discover it would then like corner the market in like trash disposal for the rest of the fucking planet, wouldn't it? Just fill in the Hollow Earth with landfill. Do you know what I mean? Like all the fucking brontosauruses down there or whatever, just cho- slowly choking to death on fucking ring pulls. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, you know, it, otherwise they just decay into, you know, into essentially into, into oil at the end of the day, and then we turn them into plastic for 300 million years later. Now, if we just yeah. bury the brontosaurus in our leftover plastic, we just speed up the process, really. You know, <laughs> just stick your high head down there and scream, plastic thou art into plastic thou shalt return. <laughs> Picture in a fucking, like, plesiosaur with its head stuck through one of the fucking plastic things that hold four cans together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's like that show la brea it's like what if we find uh uh, uh, uh raylan's wife from justified down there and she's battling dinosaurs <laughs> i have no idea what the fuck that show is but okay <laughs> it, it, the thesis is that raylan's wife uh, uh gets swallowed Battles by dinosaurs. the dinosaurs yeah, gets swallowed by the top in La, La Brea, and then underneath LA, there's a, another world filled with dinosaurs. What oh, the subway? Wow. What if that? <laughs> All the dinosaurs driving passenger trains. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd be so powerful, though. Like, if all the T-Rexes unionized, that'd be incredibly powerful. Oh, man. Bar- Barney- Barney's been put out of a job. All the T-Rexes it. driving Teslas through the loop. they keep eating the passengers but they've got no concept of money so they do it for free (laughs) it's called a (laughs) win-win five i'd still i'd still leave them five stars (laughs) (laughs) in order to call a taxi you just have to like stake a go to a metal pole and hope your taxi turns up Yeah, while we're on the subject of like fucking shit technology and electric cars and that, mm. the like Tesla's loop is open at the Vegas Convention Center. It or some is, shit. yes, it is, and it's it, it... it's fucking dreadful. And for me, the funniest thing about it is the cars don't drive themselves. You have to have like no. a very bored man drive you down a tunnel. And the thing that's wild about that is like if you were if you were building an AI that drives a car, like once you've got it capable of moving the car in a straight line the next thing you would probably do is make it navigate a course of your own design. Yeah. And so they've basically built like perfect lab conditions for a self-driving AI, and it doesn't work because it tries to follow the surface roads. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand how you fucked that so badly. You literally, you built this fuck, this is like built entirely to your specifications, and you still couldn't make the car drive through it safely. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite thing is just like all the Tesla dipshits just being like, "This is the future of motoring." It's a tunnel with some cars in it. We've 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 had that for a while. I don't like. Yeah. I really don't know what to tell you. I mean, it's 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 a real display of the innovation that is possible under capitalism when you've got like the the massive failures of uh, like the Chinese ultra high speed railway, which took a like sixteen hour journey down to like three or four. 
by yeah, drilling yeah. a massive fucking uh, railway through a mountain. Like, oh, perish the thought of getting on a train and having to sit next to a prole. You can just have a man drive you slowly through a tunnel instead. Yeah. It's better than the bus because there's only three people that you don't know in there instead of like maybe 20. <laughs> I like those odds. Yeah. Mm. Oh, speaking of Tesla, by the way, um, l- l- one more little side note whilst whilst we're on this topic. I was last week for the first time in my life in a Tesla, and we were on the on the motorway driving somewhere. And <laughs> Rob is once, posting but- from beyond the grave. <laughs> I nearly fucking was. I'm not joking because, like, we were on on the fast lane, Road? which in your yeah, no, 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 we were on the on the right, which I think it is in the UK, like the the one where you can overtake the out, people. The outside lane. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, were, yeah. we were on the outside lane. And not once, but like several times, the Tesla literally just like, it, which was in autopilot boat, just literally the steering wheel just like jerked violently towards like the, the, the rails on the side and just tried to plow us into it. And that <laughs> happened like four or five times in 90 minutes. And the guy was just like, oh no, this is normal. It does that all the time. I'm like, this might feel fuck? good. <laughs> <laughs> that is... That is the most, like, normal person using a piece of technology story I've ever heard. Like, that's like like my man with a laptop when you turn it on and it's got, like, a fucking animated skull and crossbones flashing on the desktop. And I'm like, that doesn't look good. She's like, oh, no, it works fine. Don't mess with it. You know? Like, just, oh, my laptop, my, my, my fucking... My car just tried to kill me, like, four times in an hour. But that's that's just how it, that's just how it behaves. I, I, remember my, I remember going to visit my dad, like, uh, this is, like, two years ago or something, um, going into his office to look at look up something on the, on the internet, and like the screen just had like a a black circle where all the pixels had died, which was probably about <laughs> three or four inches across. And I'm like, do you not want to do anything about this? Just, oh no, I've gotten used to it. <laughs> it's exa- exactly the sort of thing I'm talking about. Yeah, it's <laughs> like oh yeah, my car my car does try to kill me, so I have to ma- maintain a state of cat like readiness at all times. But on no, because it was incredible. Because like he was like. Yeah, it's, you need to get used to the autopilot, but once you have it, it's absolutely you gr- great because you can do this. And then he just like opened a bottle of like a, a little plastic bottle of Coke, and I'm like you could have done that. You know, you don't need the, <laughs> the autopilot. car. Just the car's just like now's my moment. It just steers <laughs> yeah. you off a cliff. <laughs> uh, like, all right, call me an irresponsible driver if you will, but I have in fact drunk a small bottle of Coke while driving a manual fucking regular car. You yeah. like, monster. Like, I, I know, I know, and I didn't even didn't even jerk the steering wheel four or five times in the journey. No. <laughs> anyway, I felt very enlivened um, to, to, to during this trip. I, I must say, yeah. I, <laughs> the I, real the real problem with driving is that it's too boring, and what we need to do is to spice it up. <laughs> well, I mean, I have a newfound appreciation for my own mortality, which I think is a is a good thing. You know, we take that shit for granted too much. Anyway, speaking of cars, let's talk about tonight's main topic, uh, because this is something I've been sort of interested in for a while now. It is about, in the UK, at least every time I'm there, I'm like, for a country that doesn't seem to be doing very well, well, there's like a lot of new cars and a lot of like new luxury cars on the road, like way more than average. And I was like, how is that possible and or sustainable? So I had a look, and it turns out that it probably isn't. And uh, the reasons are due to finance. Uh, so that's Yay. what I wanted to talk about. 
So much like every, nearly everything else in modern society, and especially in modern Britain, uh, most people can't really afford to like outright buy a car used or, or you know secondhand or especially new. Um, mm. So essentially, now you pay in easy monthly installments. Now that's obviously not a new thing. Like hiring, uh, leasing a car or, or getting a car loan, paying it back over time is not new. It's also not a bad thing. Like this is essentially you have people get credit to do like a big purchase up front, and then you pay it off in installments. That's like perfectly normal and fine. Uh, but over the, in over the last ten years, there's been some new inventions that have sort of sped up this process and put a lot of people into new cars that they may or may not be able to afford. Wow, it's a it's just like. A certain a certain event that happened fifteen or so years ago, by the sounds of it. Yeah, and and post that event, they needed some new ways to get people into cars when they didn't have so much money anymore. And would you believe that? <laughs> yeah, you that... can't you can't afford to live in a house, and uh, all you can do is afford to live in a car. So what you should do is you should just absolutely leverage the shit out of yourself so that you could sleep in a nicer, slightly nicer car. Yeah, uh, uh, would you believe that uh, that the thing we're about to talk about was like this really great idea that everybody got along with very well in the era of absolutely free money, and now it's looking a little rough around the edges? Hmm. You're saying that the free money was instrumental in this entire thing, and now that the free money is gone, people are needing money. Yes, I am saying that. Um, is that good? It's very good. I, there's, there's no, no foreseeable uh, uh, problem. Certainly not for you know hundreds of thousands of people, or essentially, literally most people who have bought uh, a new car. Because according to the Financial Times, the amount of new cars bought on credit went from just under fifty percent in two thousand nine to ninety two percent of all new cars bought in the UK are bought on credit now, and the majority of those are bought using what's known as a personal contract plan or a personal contract purchase. Uh, scheme which is the thing i mainly want to want to talk about tonight i mean just the names that people are giving things lately are just the level of ominousness is up at least 92 percent as well it feels like i mean what was the fucking name of that bit of software veriato i mean that just got like yeah you know fingers templed cackling in a big chair levels of like (laughs) naming Uh, sitting in my time camp yeah Uh, so this is from uh, AutoX basically what has happened is like a huge amount an explosion of of credit has flowed into the market which has led to uh, this is from Sarah O'Connor from the FT in the same article that I was just talking about talking about the end of free money the UK wasn't getting much richer as a nation but you wouldn't have known it from all the Audis on the road now that's basically correct (laughs) So what's happened in the last decade or so, maybe a little bit more, is the amount of credit in the car market has like exploded. Um, this is from Auto Express. Uh, cash is king, so they say, but in the world of car finance, the king is dead. More drivers than ever are looking to monthlies instead, reflecting to how we pay for many big ticket items. A remarkable 93% of new cars and a growing proportion of used cars are now paid for in monthly installments. I don't know what was wrong with just paying like 300 quid for an absolute fucking shit heap from the local fucking garage and then driving that around until the engine caught fire. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> that was like, that was like God intended, you know, at, le- at least, at least then the car would only try and kill you maybe twice instead of like yeah. four to five <laughs> times a trip. <laughs> yeah. But you couldn't open a can of Coke behind the steering wheel. So, you know, on balance, who's motherfucker, you watch me. 
<laughs> you could like yeah <laughs> motherfucker I'll... hold the wheel while i open this can of coke. <laughs> i was once driving this absolute shit shitty vw polo that i'd paid a couple of hundred quid for and i was like coming down the fucking ramp onto the a1 when like the electrical system caught fire and all the wires melted and it just like the engine cut out and the cab filled with like fucking smoke and we had to just like abandon it on the a1 and get out <laughs> and call for the air <laughs> jesus christ um so yeah in terms of like pure numbers the growth of uh, car finance has gone from about 11 billion a year again in 2009 to about 40 billion a year in 2019 it's higher now but i, I was trying to find a, a better number and that means on a per car basis this is an increase from about 12,000 pound finance per car uh in 2010 to about 25,000 pound per car uh, financed through credit at the end of June 2022. This is numbers from a website called Car Expert. So basically what's happened is new car prices really no longer reflect what any driver pays on it, pays for it on a monthly basis. That's because we financialized the process. Uh, So the same 30,000 quid car can have like four completely different types of finance, monthly repayments, contract, interest rates, length of contract. Everything is like individualized and like sliced and diced into different financial segments. Uh, And and has just been, um, credit has just been added to, to it in large scale. Yeah. Are we headed towards another golden age of like fucking those adverts during Countdown where like Jim Davidson or some cunt would try to convince you to take out one big loan and consolidate your debts? Uh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, I mean, they, they, I, look, this market <laughs> A series of adverts directed directly at uh, Andrew Tate. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, like, look, this market hasn't fallen over yet. And for certain structural reasons, like it may not for the couple for the foreseeable future, but it like it's looking very touchy at the moment, uh, especially for a lot of people who like who are already living close to their absolute max of their monthly budget, and now the energy bills have gone up. Okay. Basically, okay, but how will it, how how will it fare if we kill all the poor? Will that, will that uh, it would actually problem? be significantly worse because you need poor people or lower middle class people to take out these loans. Are you sure? So, so BMW right. can like make their monthly payment, get like monthly interest payments. It's, it's, what you're describing to me here sounds like a real house of cards, <laughs> a real deck of cards, as uh, Aaron Bastani might say. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's callback central to that here. <laughs> That's a callback to Fucking a premium as well. <laughs> You won't get that joke unless you're a Patreon subscriber. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so before I talk about the types of loans, uh, a few important concepts that underlie literally all of them. Uh, One of the main important concepts is... Money um, isn't real. Also that is when you sign these types of contract, that one of the most important things is a thing called the Guaranteed Minimum Future Value or GMFV. This is... Essentially, the you and the car dealer, but mainly the car dealer saying, all right, you drive it for an X amount of time and an X amount of miles, and when we sell it uh, uh, and we take out the depreciation, we are reasonably sure the car will fetch X. It will fetch, you know, uh, 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 let's say a 30,000-pound car after a depreciation, after you've driven it a few years, and you sell it on the second-hand market, will be worth about 15,000. That's what it's called. The 15,000 is the guaranteed minimum future value, the GMFV. Mm -hmm. Um, Doubt. And also, sorry? Doubt. 
<laughs> uh, well, in, so far this has all worked out reasonably well, but but like we we will get into it. And the other thing is, it really cannot be overstated how wild the variance is between like all the different options you have to get credit on a car, uh, depending on mileage, services included, the the amount of deposit you can do, the length of contract, etc. Uh, etc. Et the same car can cost you in terms of just like pure uh, uh, payments anywhere between a hundred to four hundred a month, and a lot of which depends on you, the individual being a, a rational actor in the market um, and comparing contrast and reading many, many fine pages of legalese oh and fine boy, print. I love it. I love it when a bank is just yelling at you. Caveat emptor! Yeah. But in this case, it's not so much directly a bank as more of a shadow bank run by Volkswagen or BMW. Or... Tom Clancy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> I just have this vision of like uh, Sam Fisher from like uh, 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 what's again Shadow Cell or Splinter something Splinter Cell Splinter Cell like sitting behind the wheel with a little uh, with the little green goggles on and the wine going on as he goes the wine of the goggles as he goes into the Tesla tunnel <laughs> <laughs> yeah just do you know what I mean got to get a loan from your shadow bank and it's just a bunch of fucking rainbow six guys in like riot gear behind the counter <laughs> Um, basically, there's a couple of, of ways of, Having to of breach getting... the breach the vault with explosives to put your money away. <laughs> <laughs> the only way you can get into the bank is via Absale. <laughs> <laughs> also, the shadow bank is in Chernobyl. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, oh, it's, uh, so, it's the radiation safe now. You can take off the suit. Yeah, <laughs> you should really join the Patreon to get anything this episode. Um, was that a fucking premium as well? Jesus yeah, Christ. it was. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, the, there's the, a bunch the premium of... references are filling in for both James and David tonight. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so that's there's a bunch. The new, of... That's the new perk from the Patreon. James <laughs> and David are only on the premium episodes. <laughs> The rest of the time, you've got to listen to this shit. <laughs> Un- unlock your favourite podcaster by subscribing to this too. Yeah, we're going to get a battle pass. <laughs> yeah, we're going to launch on Steam Early Access as well. Uh, anyway, there's like a bunch of different things we won't worry about because that's not what I want to uh, talk about. What I wanted to focus on is um, the, the 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 instrument that's used to buy like sixty. It's it's there's different numbers, but I think it's about sixty five percent of everybody who buys a car using different finance options. Sixty five percent of them use these personal contract plans or personal contract purchases or PCPs. Uh, that's really is a is a is a uh, is the way in which British people get into new cars or like higher-end second-hand cars um <laughs> the way the way most people get into cars is by doing pcp gotcha <laughs> uh so pcps are depending on who you ask either the best or the worst of all worlds in theory you get <laughs> depending on your outlook in life <laughs> um in theory you get ownership of the car um straight away and at the end of the I, ride I, I, I loved i loved the fucking air quotes that were around that as you said that yes yeah and at the end of the your your contract term which i have quite low payments uh, you can either choose to hand the car back to the dealer uh, for the agreed upon value the gmfv uh, that we discussed earlier um or you can have one giant balloon payment and then take the the car home 
Um, this is from AutoExpress. Personal contract purchase is one of the most popular types of car finance because it offers low monthly payments compared to the car's value and the option to buy at the end of the contract or return the car to the finance company. The finance company is the shadow bank inside BMW or Nissan. Uh, it's, it's the Tom Clancy bank. Uh, basically, BM <laughs> all the major car manufacturers are also turning themselves into uh, banking outfits. Just much we're, more unregulated they've got Weird that these cars have like a slot in them that you can just slot a flashbang into. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, PCP works in three stages. Uh, if you, you go to the dealer, uh, you pay a, de a deposit normally, although there are some deals in which you pay nothing. Uh, that's a bad idea for, for a host of reasons. Um, and a lot of the time... Um, <laughs> I just like to you describing stealing the car there. <laughs> <laughs> this is not advised. No, essentially, like... Please um, do not steal the cars. Yeah. Uh, and also sometimes, or even a lot of the time, uh, the manufacturer, so like BMW or something, will uh, even kick in money for you taking out one of these loans and essentially give you sort of a discount on the amount of money you're borrowing to get you into a big car uh, and get you out the door. You then make Is this a cashback for buying a car? Mm-hmm. No, it's, you're not buying oh. a car. That's very important. Oh, you're loaning, you're renting the car. You're not even buying a car. No, no, you're also not renting a car. You are entering into a loan agreement with BMW for an X amount of money that you make monthly purchases <laughs> on. Oh, and the, man. Essentially, you are not the owner of the car. You are... Um, the what was it again? You are the the you have taken legal custody of the car for as long as the agreement lasts. The car is not it, yours. You know, this you... is very important. Is it your is it your responsibility to buy the car a school uniform while you're its legal custodian? Uh, you, you drive up to your mate's house in uh, in a new car, and they say, "Oh, did you get a new car?" And you have to, and then you have to say, I, "I legally do not own the car, but I have an arrangement." I can yes. neither confirm nor deny my ownership of this car. Those are your words. This is why they're always having having so many Senate hearings in Tom Clancy films, isn't it? <laughs> Uh, so essentially, you make a series of monthly payments, uh, depending on the contract, essentially, essentially, um, and then it, these contracts run normally from anywhere from two years to four years, um, and then at the end of which, you have two options. Jason Bourne tries to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only. Uh, basically, you either make one final giant uh, payment called the balloon payment, which is basically... <laughs> You have paid off the depreciation of the car. So if you know, we take our example from the beginning, the £30,000 car is now worth fifteen. So in theory, you have paid off about, you have paid off the depreciation, the 15000 and now you are just paying off the rest of the agreement you had. Uh, so you have to make a £15,000 payment and then the, the car is just completely yours. Uh, basically, that's, that's, the, that's the easiest thing. The other thing you can do, uh, which is what, as far as I understand it, most people by far do uh, when we're talking about these PCPs, um, is you hand the car back, uh, presuming that it is in good condition, uh, you have adhered to the mileage limit as stipulated in the contract, there's no dents and scratches, et cetera, et cetera. Like you hand it in, in like premium secondhand car condition, basically. Um, and then what you do is uh, you just roll that over into a new PCP contract with a different car. So the 
essentially what happens is in terms of the, the financial arrangement is you borrow 30,000 from the financial company, you pay off 15,000, including interest. So you pay for the depreciation of the car. Um, and then at the end of which you either pay the 15,000 uh, or you give it back and the dealer says that's okay because we're reasonably sure we can sell it on the secondhand market for 15,000 uh, or a bit more probably like 16, 17,000. So the dealer makes a profit. You've paid not as much as you would for a full lease for the whole car um, and everybody walks uh, walks out the door. And in the last couple of years, because um, secondhand cars have been really expensive, uh, mainly because of supply chain issues uh, and and, and in, uh, unavailability of semiconductors. So the secondhand car market's gotten really expensive. So what's happened oh, for, a lot of the time... Bitcoin's fucked cars as well. Yeah, cool. <laughs> they, should um, just, um, they should just not make cars with semiconductors in. Pretty, yeah. sure they didn't, pretty sure they didn't need to do that back in the day. <laughs> I mean, when did they invent the semiconductor? It must have been like what, like late two thousands, I think. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Fred Flintstone always got to the office on time. How hard yeah. can it be? <laughs> yeah, Re- yeah. I can't return... call like that brand new though. That'd be that'd be more than thirty thousand. Yeah, we need to return, but with like a V instead of a U. I've never understood what that's about, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically, but this is a this is a very important point. So what happens is. Um, at the end of these, uh, or has been happening for the last couple of years in these PCPs, is uh, a lot of the time at the end of the the contract term, your car isn't worth um, fifteen thousand. It's worth more because the secondhand car market has been so hot. So it's not worth fifteen thousand. It's worth like eighteen thousand or nineteen thousand. So what then happens is the dealer says, right, because we agreed that you would give it back, uh, uh, you know, for the fifteen thousand, but there's a four thousand pound like positive difference. Not you haven't made money, but there is more equity in the car than we expected there would be. So what the dealer says is right. What we'll do is we will give you four thousand pounds, that four thousand pounds, as a deposit on your next PCP. But only you can only spend it with us. You can't go from yeah. BMW to Nissan to Land Rover or whatever. Oh, I fucking hate store credit. Yeah, essentially, it's a form. It's sort of a form of store credit. It's not a bad way of thinking about it. Um, and then you say, "Well, that's really nice." And then the dealer says, "Well, because you now have a bigger deposit than you had the last time, for for the same low low price, we can put you in a slightly bigger car." And that's why uh, you have more expensive cars on the road because people have been rolling over these PCP contracts essentially into higher priced cars over time. Fantastic. Oh, well, I, I, now, now that we've set up all the dominoes, uh, time to leave them exactly where they are. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> However, and it is very important to note throughout this whole story, is the moment you take the loan out on the car, even though the dealers are, very, are also financially incentivized to tell you that the only thing you're paying off is the depreciation, so the 15000 you are on the hook for the total amount of the car, you are on the hook for the thirty thousand. A lot of people tend to think that they're only in for the fifteen, um, but th- and that they can make their way out of it. Um, and if if you're wondering, well, why would you get uh, a PCP instead of just like a car loan that you pay off in terms, and the car is yours at the end? Um, this is again from Auto Express on their explainer on how these things work. Uh, however, if you must ke- have the latest car to keep up with the neighbors, then a PCP can make a lot of sense. You'll have a brand new car on your driveway every three years or so, and but because you're not buying outright, you can get a bit more car for your money than you'd be able to get by taking out a conventional loan. 
So these things do work in theory, but they are more risky and they are more interesting um, than a conventional car loan because we wouldn't be talking about it. I do, I do about like how they answer the question of why would you get one, but then I wonder what the corollary of that is. Why wouldn't you get one? Well, we're about to get into that. But the other thing I wanted to briefly mention is, of course, is why would the car dealer or BMW give you one? Because if if the terms are so good and if you make out yeah. like a bandit, but what's what's the upside oh, for boy, BMW? A free lunch. Yes, <laughs> I love a free lunch. The financiers of these things are the in-house bank from big manufacturers, like I said, uh, or big dealers. So, like I said, BMW is increasingly, at least in the UK, resembling a, a shadow financing operation to do with extending you credit for a car that they also make. So, rather than just, you know, you walking into the lot first or second hand, you buy a car, you drive off, you're done. Uh, or you get a simple car loan and that's it. Essentially, they draw you in um, to... A more expensive car and the second thing it does of course is because nobody said a pay rise since 2009 is it does shift volume out the door and more expensive cars out the door than they would be able to to do with traditional finance means that we've been using for the last 50 or 60 years so you reach a larger but you know slightly less well-off consumer base for your higher-end cars and you put those out on the street uh, of course, another thing, like I said, is, is Alison, what you're saying is if you return the car and you have uh, a GMFV, but more on top, um, you don't get money back, you get store credit. So this is, you, people get locked into buying the, from the same manufacturer, because if you return the car and you want that extra money for your next deposit, you have to keep buying from the same, uh, fr- from the same manufacturer, from the same dealer, you can't. You know, you can't switch from BMW yeah. to Nissan. Or what? What happens if you return the car and you've done like four hundred thousand miles in the fucking thing? Uh, well, you know, like you promised, you promised you would only do twenty, but you've actually like driven it to the moon and back. Uh, uh, well, in that case, um, f- usually most contracts standard are that you would pay uh, a, a, a penalty fine per mile, which is usually between 7 and 10p per mile. So if you've driven uh, 200,000 over the, the limit, uh, you will have to pay 40,000 extra. Oh, boy. Seems entirely reasonable. <laughs> I mean, of course, you can negotiate a higher mileage, but then your your monthly uh, uh, interest payment, your monthly car payments are higher if you want to drive more miles during the pers- during the time of the PCP. Oh man, just I'm just gonna use my ultimately big brain and just put uh, the fucking limit to zero miles. I'm just gonna let it sit on the drive to really maximize the returns on my so- car that is just a decorative ornament. <laughs> Why can't uh, this is confusing me? And generally, when finance shit like this confuses me, it's because it's just a lot of bullshit they've made up. Yes, like <laughs> you would be correct. Yeah, like I just don't understand like why they can't just fucking fuck off and not bother me with this kind of fucking deranged nonsense. Well, I mean, for for you, as long as you don't walk into a dealership and you're not interested in a late in a new model Audi or something, like you're fine. You you don't as you're if. not forced to engage with with this. Um, but you know, if you're the if you're the type of voter, let's say, of the uh, Top Gear demographic that uh, Labour's really interested in, you would that's these people. They, they these are also the people who get very angry about fuel duty. Right. So Mondeo man. Is what you're saying? Like Mondeo Plus, like Audi A4, man. That's, that's something along those lines. 
Um, and also, well, like, well done, well done, uh, Mondeo man, for achieving that social mobility I've heard so much about. <laughs> yeah, and and you've achieved it on solid foundations that aren't at all made up of giant flows of credit. Uh, do not look behind you; nothing's going on. Um, another advantage to like BMW is 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 uh, in terms of just sh- their own shenanigans is rather than like relying on one-off sales, which are kind of like you know they're bumpy, like if. If you're a dealer and you sell X cars outright, you do that once a month, but you can't really predict your income stream. However, if you financialize it and add interest to it, you, the manufacturer and your shadow bank, know that every month you're going to get a certain level of revenue with the interest included uh, in. Me, and, then me, you me can... and the boys are sitting here pounding the clipboard shouting, cars as a service, cars as a service. <laughs> <laughs> and like, now I don't know this because I, I didn't have time to, work it through fully but i can well imagine that it is possible that if i'm bmw and i say well i don't actually want this income stream every month because it's a pain in the ass to manage but what i can do is sell your monthly car payments on to morgan stanley or some other or a pension fund or something and then they pay me you know a lump sum with a little few points off the end so you can also if you're bmw you can not only be like a car manufacturer and a car sales entity you are also now becoming increasingly a financial uh intermediary yourself and in the world of financial being a financial intermediary there is money to be made uh-huh. Rob, so am this I, am is I this is to... um this is credit crunch too then yeah it could be there's, there's there's a few vibes going on right now um and and then yeah. one other thing like i've said it a few times but this is the really important thing basically instead of eating uh, the risk when like you you lease a car to somebody or when it's straightforward on like a car loan the industry is getting consumers to pay for the car's depreciation over time and that depreciation would would happen over time and you if you have one of these pcps you take all the risks and i do mean all of them in the deal right up until the moment the contract ends but the day it ends um and there are could be and indeed many of these contracts inc- include very stiff financial penalties if you get something wrong like you drive over the miles as we discussed or something is wrong and you didn't do the right maintenance you didn't keep the car in good condition if i don't know you have kids and they spilled a bunch of milkshakes over the back seat that could be taken out of the good maintenance and that could cost you a lot of money uh, at the end yeah if you've been if you've been dogging with it got to keep appearances up at the local dogging site right another advantage to like you know not necessarily the manufacturer but the person you're getting into this financial plan from this pcp is the dealer gets a commission usually gets a commission for like every pound you borrow from them to get the car so it's in their interest to get you in the biggest possible car with the biggest possible loan and no deposit because that means you the customer are borrowing more and they are incentivized to do it think of it like the american housing market in that way where you know real estate agents are incentivized to get you to sign up to massive and maybe unsustainable uh, loans you keep oh, saying yes, unsustainable, but, but like, I, I, is that a real word? I don't think finance guys yeah, think the, it is. That maybe there is filling me with a lot of confidence because it <laughs> yeah, could so, be fine. Yeah, I yeah. mean, but but let's take take like a, a a hypothetical situation that, of course, has never happened in in the world in which we live. You might lose your job, let's say, or energy prices rise catastrophically, or something, and you or food prices rise catastrophically, and all of a sudden you're 
monthly budget, which is kind of balancing quite precariously already anyway, you can't make your 400 quid a month payment on the fancy car sitting on your driveway anymore. And mind, you probably do need the car to get anywhere because British public transport is shit, as we've discussed in many previous episodes. So what you could do is like, and that's because this is a financial product and not a car, is you can renegotiate with your financier on lower rates. But not a lot of people know that you can do it and you have to ring them up and, you know, do a whole process. But that you do have, because it's a financial product, you do have a legal right to do that. There is, and there's also, and this is what they'll tell you in the dealership as well, is if you've paid back over 50% of what you agreed on, but that's the total payment, you can usually just hand the car straight straight back. So again, if the car's worth 30,000 and you've made 15,001 pounds uh, in terms of the total payments, uh, then you can go to the dealer, hand the whole thing back, hand the keys back and say, that's not a problem, here you go. Um, however, and this is the important bit, the 50% is the total value of the loan, including the big payment of 15,000 at the end. And most people don't get to the 15,000 quid mark until right at the end of their contract. So if you have a four year contract and two years in you lose your job and you can't make the payments anymore, you wanna hand the car back, you can't. And that will have like a massive negative impact on your credit score because this is like, the biggest thing, the biggest amount of money you'll borrow outside a mortgage. So if you fuck it, you could be fucked for getting like a mortgage in the future or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Oops. So what's happening now to like a whole bunch of people, even people who have been like making their monthly payments properly as they are supposed to, is these PCPs are coming over, um, are rolling over and they need to get a new car. But instead of what they've been having for the last five or eight or maybe even 10 years by now is they've had very low interest payments, but those don't exist anymore. So all of a sudden you go back to your dealership and they say, right, we, you know, everything is as agreed. We could put you in a new car, but instead of, you know, paying a certain amount um, plus a 1% interest, you're paying a, a certain amount plus a 6% interest rate. That 6% is not uncommon anymore by now. Uh, so there's Oof. a real question, like even if you've managed so far, is whether or not you can roll over into a new contract, uh, even if you've done everything right. So, you know, uh, and this is assuming that you've been able to make the energy payments and the food payments and the everything else payments uh, as well. In general, and this is from Stuart Masson, the editorial director at The Car Expert, over the last decade, average wages have not kept pace with the growing level of debt. Whereas wages have increased only 33% since 2009, used car finance debt has increased by 87%, while the, debt amount, while the amount of debt borrowed per new car has more than doubled. If the UK continues to experience spiraling inflation, we may need to brace for a significant proportion of borrowers defaulting on their loans, leading to vehicles being repossessed and possible bankruptcy so you know i think the wheel to use maybe a, a fraught metaphor at this point i think the wheels may be coming off this whole pcp thing and like we're not hey. talking about like you know a couple of people at the you know at the sort of subprime end of this marketplace like we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people maybe needing to give their car back under less ideal circumstances yeah. The Tesla of financial instrumentation is about to swerve like violently into the central reservation of reality. <laughs> um, and, and, and the financiers it's know It's good for it's, the climate, though. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And it's really Nature is healing as everyone has to fucking walk to work. <laughs> Um, and by the way, like financiers know it. There was a piece in Auto Management magazine. I read a lot they of They always fucking know it, don't they? 
Um, <laughs> also, like they... Management Magazine. What yeah, I know. Page it turns turner. out. It turns out this thing we built for the betterment of capitalism has accidentally pushed Earth into the sun. And then, like, you know, as we're seconds from burning to death, like a fucking PDF comes to light that reveals that they knew that would happen and they did it anyway. I'm hearing good things about this torment nexus. <laughs> <laughs> and also, you've been, like, again, you've been highly encouraged as the average consumer in need of a car or in the bond of a new car. Um to get into this scheme like that the lenders in the last 10 years including like your local dealership have been nothing but encouraged to get you to make your car into a speculative element rather than just a thing you pay off normally like this this process has been incentivized by everybody it's you know in some ways i can't stop thinking about essentially about like basically the american but you know uh, uh other uh, uh housing markets as well where everybody's incentivized to get you a bigger mortgage and get you yeah. right teetering on the edge of what you can uh, afford per month. There's also a delightful category, by the way, which is the one that's going a bit squiffy, is uh, what are called subprime car loans, which is uh, PCPs <laughs> with a very high monthly payment because they oh, don't man. trust you. I have, oh, I, have driven a, I have driven a lot of subprime cars in my life. <laughs> Uh, and in the absolute worst, worst case scenario for like you as a, as, a, as a consumer and a driver and a citizen, which is, again, when you haven't paid off the 50% about what we talked about before, uh, but like less to a degree, you can do what is known um, as a voluntary surrender, uh, which is you give the, you must give the car like you're back. It's like to take a fucking dog to get put down. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, I mean, voluntary surrender is when you can't afford to pay for your car, and like Gaza comes out with some with a chicken and some lager to try and talk you down. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So what happens at that point is the the car company, or I should say, the financier, the financier takes uh, the the car back from you. Uh, They sell it at auction. They subtract whatever it makes at auction from the total debt you owe, but then still is legally allowed to come after you for the difference, which is usually thousands and thousands of pounds. And of course, you don't have thousands and thousands of pounds uh, to give to the financier, to the shadow bank at BMW, because if you did, you wouldn't have had to give the car back in the first place. Uh, after which follows a lovely scenario of legal action, bailiff, collection agencies, the like, uh, where BMW comes after you and essentially everything you have in order to get the difference, you know, after you've been incentivized to, to get into the car. Um, so that's essentially, like, again, um, for one, secondhand car values are still very high in the UK. They'll probably stay that way for, I don't know, the foreseeable-ish future, uh, you know, because of the the war in Ukraine, the semiconductor crisis not resolved, um, you know, car manufacturing hasn't really recovered from Corona, et cetera, et cetera. So like, this market for now in terms of at least the second hand market is okay but in terms of people like people purely being able to make their monthly payment it is very much uh, not okay i'll do this and then we we go on to a very nice dessert that i've sorted for you i just uh, i was gonna say before we move on it is really so reassuring to see like all these fun little add-ons to these varying overlapping crises that we're going through right now that even like just having getting a loan for a car actually turns out intertwined with all these uh, stupidly intertwined with all these other like financial systems and obviously like supply chain issues which have just coalesced into a nice little little morsel of just you being fucked 
yeah, yeah. It absolutely. I think as a species, we should just return to the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> to join my battery brethren. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, essentially, like, on a larger scale, like, this is, it's, this is not new news, but essentially what we've done certainly since 2008, because we stopped paying people better. I mean, this has been going on since before. So essentially, since the year 2000, pick a random date. But, like, um, since the fall of the Berlin War, maybe even, is, like, we, <laughs> we, we stopped, like, paying people more money. Like, people's incomes, roughly speaking, have not kept pace with the price of everything else, let alone now. And what we've done in the whole of the neoliberal world is we've just filled the increasingly big hole between what you earn and the amount you work um, with credit. And credit has been incredibly cheap for the last decade, which has just sort of allowed everybody to keep consuming and buying shit, including these these PCP deals. This was just the way to smooth over the problem of you not having money, but yes, you need a car. And like, we've done this with everything. We've done it increasingly with like weird forms of mortgages, uh, you know, Klarna, you know, you can get a kebab on Klarna now. Like, you know, it's, it's all, all these fucking things um, are, are just designed to like- That sounds good actually, like- <laughs> yeah, I'll, let, I'll let Sinan know. As soon as, as soon as we're done recording, I might get a kebab on Klarna. Is <laughs> <laughs> just like, and we've just given more and more, you know, more and more of our daily consumption. And it used to be just the big ticket stuff, right? That's completely logical if you need to borrow a certain amount of money if we live in a capitalist society, right? Very few to nobody has like, uh, I don't know, however many hundreds of thousands of pounds sitting in their current bank balance to pay for a house in cash in full or 50,000 quid for a, a new car or 30,000, whatever it is. Like, it's fine if as long as we have capitalism that you know, you, you borrow some amount of money and then you pay it off. Like that's that, that's kind of just the basic functionality. There's nothing necessarily wrong with it. What's been wrong with it is over time, we've A, extended this credit into literally every nook and cranny of your personal life. And B, we've, you know, we've sharpened the edge on which people live making these repayments ever finer and ever narrower. And I think now in the UK, you know, it's like it's part of the reason why people are going on strike is because they're so far pushed out on the edge is they, they cannot take a 5% increase in the energy bills because that's not just the energy bills. That's the repayment on the car. That's the mortgage. That's the Klarna repayment on the fucking pair of shoes you bought. It's everything. And we've sharpened it now to such a, extreme edge that like it's not going to take much more to like for more and more people to just literally fall off the edge where the fucking debt collection agencies live i'm sure they'll put some kind of sticking plaster over it that'll fix it for another like two three five ten years or whatever and then it'll be fine yeah Mm -hmm. i mean I'll, I'll leave you with this final bit. Uh, this is from the Financial Times. Stuart Masson, a former car dealer who now runs the website The Car Expert, uh, believes that many drivers are going to regret going large on expensive PCP deals. I, I agree. Although I don't think this is so much a personal responsibility issue as that quote makes it out to be. It's the second bit. The car industry is utterly reliant on people buying cars they don't need with money they don't have. So, you know, feel good about that. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the the weird, like, personal responsibility edge on that is, like, I mean, it's it's the exact same thing as, like, you know, saying that if you don't want to be fat, you should just not eat so much McDonald's or whatever. And it's like, motherfucker, like, do you think they advertise because they enjoy it? Like, that shit works. That's why they put the money into doing that shit. Get a brand new car every four years just for £199 for the rest of yeah, your life. Yeah, keep up with the neighbours. Yeah, no, oh, yeah, yeah, no, it sounds yeah. really good, but actually. Need- oh, no. 
they need to like make examples of the people who fail to keep up the repayments or who like you know lack personal responsibility in whatever area because that's like the idea that like you know it's possible for this that, that takes the edge off for other people right because like if someone came to you and they went all right i'm gonna i'm gonna like give you all this money to buy a nice car and then you have to pay it back and you might go uh, but what if i can't pay it back there's a bunch of whole there's a whole bunch of shit on here that says like there's penalties and there's fees and there's like all these conditions and everything but if they if they've made like a you know a fucking a big show of like well you should be personally responsible you shouldn't like you know oh look at this layabout he like fucking got he took out a loan to get a fucking bmw saturn 5 or some shit and then he spent all his money on mcdonald's and and like lost his fucking job and oh it's it's disgraceful people like that shouldn't like take out car loans and you go well i'm not people like that so i should take out a car loan yeah yeah i mean essentially at the end of the day like that that personal responsibility narrative is no better than those fucking cunt mps and columnists who say well you don't need a food bank what you just need to buy is like 30 worth of weetabix you know that's a different di- different fucking topic for a different day. But, you know, the, the conversation is the same. Anyway, I promise you some nice dessert, and I have some very nice dessert for you. Essentially, I don't know if you, you read, um, but earlier this year, I think at the start of this year, actually, the, the shoe polish company called Kiwi uh, stopped selling in the UK market. It was, uh, you know, essentially they said people aren't wearing dress shoes so much anymore, so we're not going to sell our shoe polish in the uk anymore and this has preceded of course as you might imagine a certain level of discourse um so (laughs) (laughs) so, uh this is from uh the telegraph uh by does does this does this somewhere blame millennials for this of you you'll have to find out won't you (laughs) that's a that's a yes (laughs) (laughs) millennials Uh, killed the blackface market you love to fucking see it this is uh, an article in The Telegraph by Celia Walden. Uh, the title is, Kiwi's sad exit from the UK makes me yearn for the days when people dress properly. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. I care about everything Kiwi shoe polish represents. Formality, pride in one's appearance, and non-disposable fashion. It is really incredible when you see these, these like, absolute fucking freaks just projecting a, a whole, like culture onto a usually relatively benign product <laughs> i mean like shoe polish of all things yeah <laughs> people people don't nobody wears a suit and dress shoes to the amazon warehouse on their zero hours contract anymore what is the world coming to <laughs> well i mean just wait until time time camp uh, does an add-on function where it yeah. monitors the state of your fucking shoes as well <laughs> Just sitting and working like under a cardboard box so the AI can't spot me. <laughs> ah, the Metal Gear Solid solution. Yeah. <laughs> right. Funny how emotional we can feel about something we haven't seen or thought about for years when it's threatened with extinction. Postcards, pork oh, scratchings. F- f- does she, does Bible- she think she's talking about actual kiwis like the birds? I know. <laughs> threatened with extinction? Fuck off. <laughs> When was the last time this idiot bought shoe polish? P- postcard, pork scratchings, Bibles in drawers of hotel rooms beside bedside tables. <laughs> Where have these things gone? 
to the big Amazon landfill in the sky. <laughs> also, I don't know what the fuck she's talking about. Last time I was in the UK, I could get fucking pork scratchings everywhere. And the fucking Clinton card shop was stalked to the fucking rafters. Oh, I'm okay, are we? <laughs> it's card factory or bus for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and now we can add Kiwi shoe polish to the list of the dear departed. <laughs> Oh man, I'm just, I just, I want to find that long, like, uh, that picture of all those articles where it's just like millennials killed, and it's like mayonnaise and all sorts of other <laughs> odious shit. Yeah, why aren't millennials buying diamonds? <laughs> <laughs> I think I may even have cried out "no!" exclamation mark when I read on New Year's <laughs> Day that the manufacturers to stop selling the polish in the UK. I've just been sent into like a dire melancholy because I realised that a product that I've never, I have never and will never use is no longer available to me. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, it's like, I guarantee you this fucking clown does not buy shoe polish on the regular, if at all. They're just mad because of like, you know, it's like, oh, like it's some trad wife bullshit. Like men yes. aren't fucking wearing enough shoe polish anymore. That's a, the decline of Western civilization. What if we all went and lived on a farm and made breast milk ice cream? According to Kiwi, which was once a household name, it is still used by the armed forces and accounts for more than half the polish sold globally, but a fall in the number of Britons polishing their shoes and a rise in casual shoes that don't require formal polishing means that it will soon be a thing of the past. Because polishing shoes is annoying. <laughs> like, yeah, who, who wants to do that kind of thing if I, they don't have to? I do. I do. I find it quite soothing and nice. Yeah, of you're, course you're you a freak, fucking Rob. do. I mean, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, you're you're the balmy bus- Brussels bureaucrat that the sun warned us about. <laughs> <laughs> I find this disproportionately sad because other countries haven't I mean, ditched. Because other countries haven't ditched their little tubs of Kiwi's Prestige Black. Because I care about shiny shoes. Why? But most of all, because I care about everything Kiwi shoe polish represents. Formality, pride in one's appearance, and non-disposable fashion. Why do you care this much about the shiny shoes? Is it a fetish? It's because it's really about something else. Uh, But there's something else. Something I suspect is at the root of the pang I felt... Oh, when I here think, we go. Yeah. <laughs> when I think of Kiwi, I think of men in press suit and ties reading their telegraphs at the shoe shining station. <laughs> <laughs> Without oh. telling me, tell me you have daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. Also, without telling me, which class do you belong to if you identify with the people sitting at the shoe shine station? I think I think of briefcases, money clips, cufflinks, collar stiffeners, and Cary Grant. Money clips? The last person I, I knew who had a fucking money clip was my granddad. <laughs> I've never known anyone that had a money clip. Like... I know, I know. Not even I have seen money clips out there in the wild, which is really saying something. Yeah. Fucking, what was it on? Collar stiffeners? Like, okay. Yes. That sounds like how your grandma would describe an erotic movie. Ooh, that was a real <laughs> collar stiffener. I feel like she's going to lament like people not starching their shirts enough or some shit. I just miss and wish that we could return to the crisp line of the starched shirt. Yeah. 
I miss sitting as a young girl watching my dad at the sh- the, starch- the shirt starching station. That's a fucking tongue twister. <laughs> <laughs> Try and say that fast because I can't. <laughs> this is just fucking insane. This is like I grew up in a Dick Tracy comic and I'm mad that we don't live there anymore. Why did that wizard curse me to enter the real world and put me back? <laughs> All the weird and wonderful paraphernalia that sums up the old-fashioned male. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest, I was just thinking about gollywogs while you were saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, they can take away the postcards, the pork scratchings, and the Bibles if they insist. But if it prompts us... I'm sorry, n- take, what's this with the postcards? Postcards still exist. Right, like everywhere, they, they haven't like disappeared from like the knowledge of humanity. It's just a piece yeah. of paper with a fucking picture on one side. I got I've... I got a postcard from Rob recently. Yeah, he came attached to a, a yeah, jar of mate. like a jar of relapse marmalade, <laughs> which was very nice. <laughs> so they can take away the postcards, the pork scratchings, and the Bibles if they insist. But if it prompts us not to, who's be taken talk- away the pork scratchings as well? I don't know. Has she, has she just stopped going to the pub. Did she, did she make enough money now that she goes to an expense, like a fancy <laughs> pub, like a gastro pub somewhere, and they don't have pork scratchings? She's been banned for being too weird about the shoe polish. Even in the fancy <laughs> pub, they make their own. I've seen them. I've had them. They're nice. They're dice in a bag as well. They're pork fucking scratchings. They're everywhere. Like I. But if it promises not to be too toxic, can we please keep masculinity? (laughs) The less shiny your shoes are, the more feminine you are. This is common knowledge. (laughs) Yeah, the lack of shoe polish. Trans women out there take note. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that was your look into into Colin's brain. I did promise you'd be short, Jamie. Well, we've rattled through. We've rattled through this tonight. Like we, the three of us should start a podcast together. We're quite good at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, if you like this podcast, if you like this new and improved, uh, more sleek and efficient <laughs> format, streamlined. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, yeah. for this new year, we're, we're putting out a special deal on our podcast where you get like half our episodes up front for a low payment. But if you want to listen to the back half, <laughs> there's a bigger payment, but it's all worth it. It's all gold, baby. And don't worry yeah, about and it. Also, Just... if you listen to them, if you listen to them too much, you owe us 15 grand or something. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> listen, listen to the end and you can trade up to an even bigger podcast. <laughs> Maybe we'll get Trash Future on the feed somehow. <laughs> yeah, anyway, sign sign up for uh, uh, balloon payments and regular payments on our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. Yeah, sign up so you can get half the jokes that were made on this fucking episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's more of a deeper understanding, really. Um, you can also get uh, fine merchandise at uh, praxiscast.tbill.com. And are we doing streaming things? Yes. We are. Uh, th- Wednesdays and Thursdays. Uh, well, most Wednesdays and Thursdays, availability depending. At uh, twitch twitch.tv slash praxiscast. Yeah. Keep an eye on our Twitter feed where we announce these things well in advance so you can plan your whole yeah, you day around have five it. minutes after we yeah. start. <laughs> whole, whole minutes of warning. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's uh, that's us for this uh, for this streamlined episode. Uh, goodbye. Piss off. Yeah, see ya. <laughs> Thanks, bye. <laughs> <laughs>